Good afternoon, everyone. We're coming to you live from our Sadlamar studio at the office. This is the RO stream with myself and Hagen Fritz as your co-host. Because you know what they say, there's no building without a steaming. There you oh. go. <clears throat> Got it that time, yeah. How are you, Hagen? I'm doing well, Bruno. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. It's the first, first episode of the month. Oh. <laughs> yeah. March 1st. Yeah, happened today. I know. So we're looking forward to that. We have very special guests today. Ah, uh, yes. As we do every day. They're well, all every special. week, rather. They're all special, too. Of course. Yeah, yeah. They're our own employees. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so very excited to introduce him. But before we get to that. Oh, yeah. We got a lot to get through before we get to him. And now we have or to her. catch up on you mm-hmm. and R&D. Of course. And any announcements that we have. Uh-huh. So that's our that's our agenda. Yeah. Know, based on our papers here. Yes, all these, these very important papers. So let's get to it. Okay. How was, I know... Last time you told us about how you were doing the R&D tour mm-hmm. and you were going to Dallas last week. Yes. How was that? It was good. It was great. Um, let's see. We spent, I think, most of Thursday in the office and then we went out to Traditions uh, just west of Fort Worth, or I guess kind of far west of Fort Worth, to, to, meet with a few, to meet with Shane Coleman out there. And then on Friday, I think we had one office visit in the morning and then we were just kind of pinging around Dallas and Fort Worth. Uh, I can't remember the exact names of the projects. There was one up in Rockwall and then one in Plano, I believe. Uh, met with uh, Ted Gates at one of them. Uh, and the other names are slipping my mind. I should really write those down on our important papers so I know. You might have in one of these. Oh, yes, do you? Mm, no, it's not there. Okay. But it was good. It was cool to, cool to see the Dallas office. I only have ever gone, you know, the history wall in the Dallas office? Yeah. I don't know. So they took us through that in orientation. But that's kind of as far as I ever got. I'd never gone past that, or I still haven't gone downstairs. I don't even know if IT exists in Dallas. It's a whole new world down there. I know. But, uh, it was cool to see the whole office. I didn't realize it was kind of that open-ish. Kind of, um, so that was kind of cool. And it was neat to see, see some, some heavy hitters, right? So Austin Robertson greeted us at, greeted us at the door. So that was kind of cool, you know, CFO yeah. opening the door for us. I felt very special. But it was, it was cool overall. That's pretty neat. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you're, you're from the... DFW area, right? So you were kind of familiar with some of these places? Mm, no? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm from Arlington, but I didn't really venture right, right between Dallas and Fort Worth. I didn't really venture too far outside of that. Just kind of stayed on my home base as a, as a kiddo. So, But I, I am familiar with some of the main highways, I guess. Oh, there you go. Yeah, of course. Sure. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. And you're still interviewing some people in Austin, right? So there's some interviews happening. Yep. Uh, there's a, a few. We have one today, and then I think... A couple. There's only a couple more. So we should be wrapped up by the end of this week, and then we'll start doing our deep dive analysis on the on the on the end reviews, and then we'll release that report hopefully to to a wider audience, so people will be like, "Oh, what's R and D up to?" Because a lot of people were like, "I don't even know what y'all do or what how y'all are working on things or whatever." So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, we have kind of nice that to look forward to. Oh yes. Oh, it'll be so so interesting. Hopefully. That's tied into the survey that you guys sent out, right? Oh, nice segue. Yeah, there is a survey. Uh, actually, it came out on the communications email this morning, I think, when uh, the RO communications email at the very bottom of it, there's a little link. You can click that. And you can take that survey. We still, since my last plead to to everyone out there, we got one more submission. One more. So hopefully we can get two more. 100% increase. That'll be awesome. Um, but hopefully we can get, yeah, even more people. Because, right, again... I'll, I'll plead one final time here. It, yeah, plead one final time. It, we need, we, it, we only have eight, 90 people, right? And there's 500 people, some out at this co- company. Still can't quite figure out what that number is. But, uh, right, so the survey is going to help us 
direct the R&D ship, right? She'll be doing these deep dive ideas that take a long, long time to implement, or she'll be doing a lot of quick implement ones. And so it's really neat in the sense that the people are directing the R&D department. Um, very, very democratic, right? So hopefully, hopefully people can get their, their two cents in. It takes three minutes tops to fill out, probably even less. So, so if, you, if you have the time, Hopefully you do. Check out that email that was sent out recently. Yes, please do. That would be awesome. It would help us out a lot. I was pretty excited. Yeah, but enough about me. What about you? What is, what's going on in the VDC world? Uh, pretty, I mean, we always say we're busy, oh, like everyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have a kind of cool little side visit happening this week. We're all Dallas and Austin and San Antonio meeting up in College Station to do some job side walking, get to meet some of the team, not everyone has gone there, and we have two projects going on, College Main and First Street, so get to go to the job site. And one of those is, you're coordinating one of those, correct? correct? Yeah, First Street. Okay. Student housing, shout out. That'll be great. I mean, it'll be nice to go on the project. I mean, I'm sure that drive is, you can't do that drive all the time, so it'll be, I'm sure, nice for you to actually get out there, see the project, see the see the progress, talk to the team. Yeah, I went there early on, fairly mm -hmm. the early stages, but I think now they're officially off the ground, so looking forward to Ooh, that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Very right. excited about that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of news, oh, uh, I know. Man, you're killing it with the segues. <laughs> My natural. Uh, I do. There was an email sent out to everyone. Just as a note, that playbook, the original playbook 1.0, will be discontinued at the end of this month. So just mm. kind of heads up if you're still using it out there. So start reading. Start Get reading. reading. Uh, anything that you're needing nowadays should be on the new playbook 2.0. Ooh. Just a little quick FI. It's surely going to go away. So if you have any bookmarks, read, read <laughs> fast and learn fast. Although I guess that information is still available. But True, true, true. No. The new playbook. Yeah. 2.0. That's exciting, though. That's cool. Seeing, seeing the progress. I know. Uh, progress like the progress that marketing has also been doing. Oh, wow. There you go again. <laughs> uh, I think you, we all talked about the, we talked about the RRO yearly newsletter. Mm-hmm. And those are printed copies that you should be receiving your mail. Oh, I'm excited. There's also the RO recap. Oh. That's a monthly newsletter that you get an email. Oh, okay. Uh, and I know on these last recap, Natalie Sandoval was featured on the cover. Just to spotlight one of our great employees. And then we also got to share some of our experience that we had at CES conference. So, Oh, wow. That's uh, cool. That's so you're, you're in there. We're kind of both in it. But yeah, you can see a video of me testing out some. Ooh, is it the? I don't want to say it. I don't want to spoil it. Okay, yeah, but it's pretty cool. <clears throat> like, yeah. honestly, like super cool. Like, the thing that he tried out. Yeah, there's a video of me making my fool myself. So, if you want to check that out, there's the auto recap. Should be an email that was sent out around February fifteenth, I think. So, okay, cool. But pretty exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Do you know what time it is? Uh, I don't know. I don't hear a bit. I think or I don't know. I don't know if our, our sound operator knows the, the drill here. Whoa, oh, it's oh, a different noise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, it's time for a hard head question segment. Hard head question segment, yes. Do you want me to start? Do you want to go start? Uh, what do you want? I'll start. Okay. Oh, this one's coming from Anthony Karchi at Gotta Karchi at the Mall. Is. Shout out, Karchi. Is. Butter at condiment. Ooh, good question. National question. Uh, yeah, of course. They're, we don't make these up. I know. Um, well, I I got some some response from the the crowd out there. 
They're saying peanut yes. Gallery. Yeah, the peanut gallery. They're saying yes. It's hard. I feel like it's. I guess yes, because it is an addition to the to this. The, right when I think of a sandwich or a burger or something, I think of condiments as any. I guess any saucy addition, and I guess butter is is, is a, almost a sauce. It's it's a weird it's a weird solid liquid. I don't, I don't know. What what do you think? I respectfully disagree. Ooh. I don't think it's a condiment. Okay. Why why? Because it's used to cook, not to taste the food. But what if you're like buttering your toast? I don't know who he's doing that for. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. I just, I just don't. Yes, it seems like a prepping ingredient rather than a ingredient to enhance the meal. That's fair. Well, that's a, that's good reasoning. Thank you, Anthony Karchi, for that very deep, deep thought. Oh, speaking, you brought this up. Sandwiches. Uh-huh, uh, this one's coming from Alex Hernandez. I add Alex Hernandez. Add Alexa. Play Who Runs the World. Uh, she asked, can you rank the following sandwich places in order? Thundercloud, Subway, Schlotzky's. Wow, are you hitting all the sandwiches? Can I, can I see that list, please? Thundercloud, Subway, Schlotzky's. Ooh. I think Thundercloud, I've, I went there yesterday, and, and I got a new sandwich that I hadn't gotten. I usually you get the Nada Chicken. Delight. No, I know that you love that one, though. But I, got, I usually get the Nada Chicken, which is great. I feel it's like... Not a vegetarian, but it's like one of the best vegetarian sandwiches I've ever gotten. Not a sandwich. Right. Not a sandwich at the sandwich place. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have so many good sandwiches, and I feel like it, it's kind of underrated. Thundercloud. Then I have to go Slotchkeys. I think Slotchkeys is pretty solid. Um, and then Subway, unfortunately, at the bottom. But I agree. Yeah. Same list I have. I know. Oh, I know your Subway is like in hell, like oh. at the very bottom. There's a, pl- there's a special place for it uh-huh. down there. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you have time to, to break, break that too barrier. too much to unpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of want, baggage. And I don't want to cry about it, so okay. let's go on to the last question. <laughs> Do you want to read it? Sure. Okay. I can read. You're going to have to give the... I don't, I, I don't know who these are from. Oh, yes. You have those notes in front. I don't. Yeah. I can. <laughs> okay. Oh, they answered that one. Uh-huh. That's a good question, though. Like our set designer needs to clean well, up. someone emptied the hat. <laughs> Who is the first R and D? Excuse, no, no, no. Sorry. Who is the first R employee that comes to mind? James Holmes. Okay. Why? Other than that, he's in the room. He's in the room. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. I would say he he cares about making a change, and he always means well and best. And he has he's curated this whole entire thing we're doing right now. So no, I think he's hard cur- to get him off the mind. I think when you combine his curiosity and expertise, you get some, very some wild innovation. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, just keep that going. Yeah. Keep the clap. <laughs> yourself, I, who, who comes to That's mind. not fair. You gotta, you gotta distract me and you ask me again, but I guess we can't do that. So who do you think who comes to mind? Anthony Carchi. Because <laughs> we just mentioned him. Uh, in theory, this is a cool question, but in practice, it didn't, it didn't work out. As, you, as, as, as uh, not me, but whoever wrote it. Perfect. Uh, well, I think that's all the time we have today. I think we want to welcome our guest. Mm. This guy's coming from H-Town. H-Town. We're from H-Town. Wow. Jack of all trades. Mm. I actually never met him in person. It's the first time I get to meet him in person. It's the first time I've met someone before you. Oh, this is a big day. A big day. Uh, but I'm excited because I know he comes from the field. He he's very expert expert at what he does, so I'm looking to just learning about him and yeah. see what he has to tell us. He's our he's our first guest from 
from Houston, right? Also true. Yeah, he's also. So that's exciting. We'll get a nice little perspective from from the Houston folk. I know. He's the real deal. Uh, Mr. Wes Elliott, all the way from Houston to hang out with us today. Thank you for, for making the trip up here. And I'm very excited about this. Yes, sir. Let's go. Let's pull that right up in. Yeah, it's, it's it, like that. That's perfect. It tends to stay pretty well wherever you put it. So go ahead and get, get cozy with it. We're going to be here for a minute. Uh, that's going to be fun, though. I'm looking forward to it. So, Mr. Wes, for those that aren't familiar, could you tell us uh, where, where you're from and what do you do? What's your current role? I'm senior superintendent, Houston. Um, I help Jennifer with operations. I'm, I live in Houston. Well, I live in Katy, outside of Houston. Okay. Yeah, just uh, just on the outskirts there. I would imagine it's probably like Austin, where like no one that works in Houston lives in Houston. They're probably all like scattered out around it and pretty much and such. Yeah. <laughs> there are those that like to live in like the Heights and you know, certain parts of the fashionable Houston, but yeah. I just never got it. Like, I want a little bit of breathing room. I don't want to see 30 neighbors as soon as I open my door, poke my head out a window, like, get off my back a bit here. Yeah. Is that kind of how Katie is for you? Just being out there, you've got some some room to breathe, room to relax? Oh, yeah. We back right up to the uh, uh, George Bush Reservoir, or which flooded us, but we back right up to, uh, so I opened my back door and I'm looking at woods. Oh, that's... So I can go back there and sit down and have a whiskey and unwind. There you go. Able to do any fishing back there? Anything worthwhile? No, there's. it's not a reservoir that keeps water. It's a reservoir that keeps water there so that Houston doesn't flood. Gotcha. Okay. One that... of those wonderful Corps of Engineer things. <laughs> things that we don't have to deal with up here is, seems a bit foreign. But that's that's fun. That's nice. Got to be relaxing after spending all day on a job site to be able to go and sip that whiskey, look at the woods, and not hear a jackhammer running or hear neighbors blaring music or running up and down stairs. Yeah, pretty good neighbors. Uh, how did you end up at RO? So I was at uh, Structure Tone, and my project manager from there left and went to uh, RO. And so I interviewed with uh, Craig Glenn and Greg Lynch, and I was the second superintendent to be hired in Houston. No kidding. So that was a, a small, compact RO Houston office, and you're, I mean, that's a, that had to be a huge burden on your shoulders, I would imagine, yeah? It was, uh, it was fun. It was, you know, there were seven of us in the office, and um, my buddy Clint was the uh, third uh, RO superintendent. And, um, we had the, uh, we went to the second job, the first ground up that we did in Houston as a Houston office. What were some of the challenges you ran into with such a small office? I mean, uh, you, you have RO as a whole to support you from like a knowledge base standpoint and all that, but you're still what, two hours away from the nearest office at that point. They're not exactly around the corner. If you have a question or if you you know what I mean? If you need something from people services or accounting or whatever, kind of what, what was that like being uh, such a small new entity in this organization? It was a little like being out on an Island. Um, but uh, we, you know, I have people that I will call to ask questions. Uh, and we had resources that uh, at that time, Scott Kittrell was here and he, uh, he had been with RO for off and on 15 years. So 
And then uh, a couple of years after that, Jaime came down, and he's been with RO, I think, now 17, 18 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we've always had contact with the other offices, but um, we were just our own entity for a long time. It must have been, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I think of just any any given project and the challenges they face, then, uh, yeah, to be, as you put like out there on an island that just takes everything up one notch, I guess. But I would say back then we we didn't need a whole lot of, you know, interaction. It was, um, you know, I remember Todd Wynn came down a couple of times uh, at that time. Um, uh, I can't remember the old... Uh, a safety guy, he came down, um, but you know it was. It, we didn't need a whole lot of interaction. We kind of did it ourselves. What kind of projects were you guys doing at that point? Were they? I'm assuming they were smaller ones or a lot of remodel type stuff or finish out or ground up. Well, we had a GE, which was a uh, a remodel of these great big warehouses. They had some gantry cranes that were weighted for more rated for more than what the steel could hold. So we had to go and beef that up. Um, that was a neat job. Um, uh, that was Kenny. I can't remember Kenny's last name. Uh, but he, uh, he did that. He was out of Dallas. And then um, my job, uh, First Choice ER, which uh, that was the first ground up. We as a Houston office. Now, we've been doing jobs in Houston for a while, but that was the first ground up as a Houston office we had. That was it first choice ER? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very, that'd be exciting just to finally put a shovel in the ground instead of going in and doing remediation or beefing things up and all that. Oh, it was it was an interesting job. What I'm curious, what was uh what were some of the, the, the highlights or lowlights or just some of the lights maybe in general? It uh uh so me and Graham laughed about this uh, uh Graham Merriman? Uh-huh. Okay. Um so it was estimated, and they wrote it in the contract that it was a 150 calendar days to build this thing. It was nine bed, uh, X-ray, CT, and um, it was in the woodlands, so you had to be mindful of their trees. And uh, we had 40 days of rain. And... Uh, so it was uh, me and Justin Doty were on that job. Uh, he would take uh, Sundays, and I took Saturdays, but we were on that job. We manned the job seven days a week. Oh, my gosh. You're probably just dewatering six of those days. It was, uh, yeah, it was even when there wasn't water standing, it was mud. I, I had to have two gradals on, or uh, the gradal forklifts, um, and because I would bury one and I'd have to pull it out with the other one. And, uh, yeah, it's that one, that was my most challenging project I've ever done because it was fast paced and, uh, nature did not participate. She's got a mind of her own. Yeah. It has a mind of its own. Right. Somebody. Uh, so, uh, you just mentioned something earlier. We were talking about your your experience in the military and getting vehicles, uh, government vehicles, stuck. And oh yeah, you know, a little less fun whenever it's your own vehicle, your own job site. But but I am curious to hear. Do you feel like your time in the military shaped how you operate as a, a superintendent within the construction 
world? I think for sure. That's and anytime we have the opportunity to hire veterans, I will uh I will favor hiring a veteran because I know that our training uh, equips us, you know, you learn to deal with stuff. And you know, we have several veterans down in Houston and uh now you don't have to be a veteran to be able to handle stuff. I do want to say that I have uh uh other superintendents that are not veterans that, you know, they handle stuff perfectly, but it's, to me, it's a, uh, it is an advantage because you learn to deal with stuff under pressure. And uh, now I went through uh, basic in 94 and I got out in 98. And so it was a very long time ago for me, but um, it's back then it was a whole lot more, uh, uh, they would, they would stress you out on purpose to get you to quit. And, uh, you know, there's, I think they still do that, but I think they've lightened up on it a whole lot. I think quite a bit. Yeah. Stress they're, cards and stuff. Yeah. Got their cell phones down there and their personal time every day or whatnot. It's safe places, safe places, right? Yeah. Well, hopefully they deploy to a safe place too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's super interesting, and I, I I could not agree more. I think that the, I, if you're willing to tolerate the nonsense in the training of the military, right? I say nonsense, just the, you know, a drill sergeant coming through and beating on a can to wake you up at three in the morning to go to a gas chamber. If you can handle that, you're probably going to be able to handle an upset trade partner or a demanding owner, or what have you. Like it's a it sets a a a very present threshold to those that are familiar with that environment. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, those those folks definitely get big props from from me as well. Uh, what what do you miss the most about that time? Those those four years from ninety four to ninety eight while you're in, and what what did you do if you don't mind sharing? I was a tanker, M one A one. I uh, I think it was the camaraderie that you have um, uh, when you're on a tank. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Fury, you're just you become a family with those people. And, uh, it was, you can talk trash to each other all you want. And it's your family. You know, we, uh, we knew about each other's lives. Um, in fact, my gunner, I know he retired. He's up in, uh, Lawton, Oklahoma. Uh, I think my tank commander, he, actually got chaptered out of the military uh, for too many DUIs. Um, yeah. Are they in tanks? <laughs> <clears throat> not that I know of. Uh, I, I guess you're probably not getting stopped if you're, if you're pulling off a Dewey in a tank. I don't know what cop's going to have the, uh, the, the brass ones to, uh, to, to try and stop you. <laughs> so he was, uh, I think it was from, obviously outside of the tank, but there, there were, there were people who showed up, you know, still under the influence that would get it there too. Yeah. I'll withhold any comments I have on that front for the moment. You've probably seen That's... it. <laughs> well, no one's ever shown up and done two miles while severely intoxicated. That's well, you're not going to finish it. Way. You're not going to finish it intoxicated. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing of binging and purging right there. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's coming out one way or another, yes. sweat it out, puke it out, whatever it takes. Uh, so uh, that's, that's fantastic stuff. Wes. I, I, I love hearing about it. Um, 
what does what does leadership mean to you between that military experience now being a oh gosh senior superintendent is that correct senior superintendent you're obviously responsible for the 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 development education all that of of others how how do you define leadership what what do those words mean to you i think leadership is a privilege that um people people think that uh they want leadership for the wrong reasons but i think it's a privilege that you get to uh i you get to lead that you get to be the person that is there to go to, or you're that person that is there to um, give out assignments, or you're the, it's a privilege. And, you know, while most people think that, oh, well, you know, now you're this, you don't have to do so much, there's actually more. You know, as, once you're put in that leadership position, you know, we all know in construction our jobs are not nine to five. Okay, we, um, you know, you might have to uh, sit down at the computer, you know, on the couch and, you know, crank out a schedule or answer emails or, um, you know, oftentimes draft an email and then have somebody proofread it and uh, make sure that you're not coming across ugly. Sure. Maintain and, uh, that tactful approach to things, right? Right. Right. Um, so it's, I, I think leadership is a privilege of uh, responsibility. And I, yeah, that's, and whatever your capacity is. I, I think that's something a lot of people, I don't want to say forget, but I think often don't acknowledge is that just because you're not a director or a vice president or a manager or whatever, like that doesn't, that doesn't preclude you from being a, a leader. Right. Uh, if, if someone's looking at you, if someone's asking you something, if anyone ever goes to you and goes, Hey, uh, Bruno, how do I do that? Like you're, you're leading somebody, whether you meant to or not, you demonstrated to them the ability to do something in a fashion of which they want to replicate. Right. And I, yeah, I think that's one of those things that uh, it's, it's tough to convey to people, right? Cause you, to, to try and give examples or define it, you end up with these you know, little quantized blocks, but, Whenever you see it, you, you know it's happening. And I, gosh, I love that leadership is a privilege. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a responsibility. It is. I mean, that's uh, something I think all too often people go into those leadership roles. And like you were saying, they think, oh, I have these people that I can assign things to. I can, I can get more done. It's like, no, you have people to watch out for. Mm -hmm. You went from taking care of yourself to now taking care of a team of five, ten, however many people. Yeah. You need to make sure that they're engaged, that they're fulfilled, that they're getting the job done. Um, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a break from work by any means. No, it it usually means more responsibility. Yeah. Uh, whenever you were coming back to RO from Flintco, correct? Mm -hmm. What drew you back into RO and in particular RO Houston and all that? So, I left and went to Flintco, and uh, I. I did not have a, uh, um, I didn't have a good experience there. I, it's a great company, you know, um, but I, uh, I was talking to Jennifer and I wanted to come back and help her uh, 
with the Houston office. I wanted, I wanted Houston to succeed. I, I wanted it to be, you know, I, I've been there. I wasn't there the, I guess I got there within the first year of it starting, but it was, I wanted to see it succeed. I wanted to see it, you know, make money to grow. And uh, she's doing a great job at that. So I just wanted to come and help her. Man, that's uh, fantastically put. Just very, uh, I hesitate to say noble. I think that might be a little too uh I think everybody would argue with you about saying I'm noble. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many people, though, that, uh, you know, not necessarily at RO, but just in general, take a job for the wrong. Like, ah, oh, well, I got a 10% raise or I get an extra week off or whatever whatnot and it's like that's that's good like i'm happy that you're finding what you want out of that uh but at the same time i think whenever i mean i can tell you're passionate sitting here talking with you and this is only the second time i've ever met you like i, I can this is something that you really care you want to see that office succeed and I, I think whenever you can align that that passion and that desire with a role in a company or, or anywhere for that matter uh you're you're bound to do great things and it's quickly becoming very evident why uh, Todd was so persistent that I need to talk with Wes Elliott out of Houston. Todd's pretty cool. So you, you can thank him for all of this. I don't know if he's listening right now, but I'm sure he'll catch up on it at some point. Uh, have you always been in commercial construction? No, I started out um, in 98 when I got out of the Army. I uh, got into home building, and I was there for about nine years. Wow. And um uh, it was taking the downturn, um, what was that, uh, 07, 08, something like that? Yeah, right around. 07. Um, and so I I interviewed with Schwo Building Company, and they brought me on as an assistant superintendent and uh, sent me down to Houston to uh, uh, work on a, um, a FedEx freight facility. And uh, oh, it was it was a big job. It was forty four acres of paving. Some of it was um, uh, twelve inches. Some of it was eleven inches. And Jeez. I, the superintendent, he put me in charge of all the paving jobs. That's so why I would go out there and I would check the pre pour, and he would check behind me, make sure all the stuff underneath it, the uh, storm sewer, and all that. And um, so it was a lot of learning, and that was. Uh, that was actually the the only job that I ever was an assistant superintendent on. Because after that, then they sent me out to Marquette, Texas. To uh, it's a little two hundred and forty something people. It's uh, City Hall for Marquette is uh, uh, like an outbuilding. It's like a shed. <laughs> and I used to have a picture of it, it with the chickens uh, running around in front of it, and. Uh, it was, uh, we were, you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's, uh, so go to Centerville and then go West 20 minutes and then slam on the brake <laughs> and you're in the middle of Marquet. <laughs> and, uh, we, uh, I, we were doing a job for Halliburton put up, uh, it was, we built a liquid mud plant and, uh, put up these ugly, big mud tanks and, uh, right there, right at the edge of downtown. So there's 240 or so people out in Marquette, Texas going, how dare you talk about our town center like that and our call out our chickens? <laughs> you know, 
I never saw 240 people. <laughs> I mean, I saw the same six the entire time. So that's uh, drastically different than Houston, which I think is like what the third largest city mm-hmm. in this country. What are the differences like as a superintendent working out on the edge of nowhere compared to working in uh, an absolute metropolis like Houston? You can get the stuff you need most of the time in Houston. Um, They will have, I mean, unless it's special order, you know, you have some door hardware, stuff like that, doors that have to get made. Uh, But when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you it has to come into a major city and then it has to get shipped out there. So uh, I would say availability, you can run to the Home Depot. I think the closest Home Depot for me was College Station. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, that was just under an hour. Um, And uh, yeah, that was, there were two places to eat in Marquet, a Red Barn barbecue and a Branding Iron Cafe. And you knew every person that worked in each of them. I, I knew the people who owned the barbecue joint. They uh, they were right across from my job site. I went out hunting on uh, his land. I bet they were thrilled just to have some, some new faces in town, some new people coming in and spending money now and again. I think we financed their house. Because <laughs> everybody would go over there and, you know, and get barbecue. Yeah. I went through there several years later, and I, they're – Little building is gone. So (laughs) I think that they, uh, after we got done doing construction and they weren't doing the business anymore, I think they just quit. Yeah. What's so I got to ask everyone this question. You're, you're, you're in Houston now. You're at RO. What is it that you love about RO? It's that's a difficult question. Um, it's hard to sum that up in words. I like RO and how we how our people are. Um, we um, we care about our people. Um, you know, people go through stuff. Uh, we we care about people, and it's a. Um, you know, you can go to other companies and yes, there's, you know, big money to be had, but you're, you're just a number you're, and if you don't put out the right numbers, you're Mm -hmm. gone. And I think that, um, when it's all said and done, I think RO is more, you know, they say culture, but it's, it's a culture and even the right word. It's, um, it's the, the people and, um, we don't call and holler and cuss at subcontractors. We don't, um, we don't get ugly like that. We, we treat people with uh, respect and we treat people, um, you know, the way we want to be treated. And, um, now I have called and I've hollered and I, I've, I've been known to drop an F bomb or 12. Um, (laughs) but I, uh, getting ready with the delay. <laughs> um, in fact, I told Sarah, don't HR is not allowed to uh, watch this because I don't know what I'm going to say. My redneck might slip. <laughs> so um, it's, yeah, I mean, we treat people how we want to be treated. And I think we've done a good job of uh, maintaining that. 
Yeah, that's a, to your point, I, I think you'll hear a lot of people, or I say a lot of people, a lot of companies state that, you know, our people are our most valuable asset or most important resource, but you don't often see them ever demonstrate that. Mm-hmm. And I think here you can't hardly go a day without talking to someone about, you know, s- some experience they had or are having and how Aro is there to support them. Uh, or, you know, I say Aro, maybe it's even a, a friend they made through Aro or a manager or what have you. Uh, people out there that really do care that are willing to help you out with whatever's going on. It's all about the people. I mean, I know that R and D and Todd, y'all uh, like your robots and all that, but you can't do shit without people. So if we're not out there to make people act right safety wise or make people install something right, um, it, it just, it doesn't happen. And I mean, you know, we like to superintendents, we like to say we're glorified babysitters, but we actually are. You know, we're out there making sure, number one, you're not trying to sacrifice part of your body for my job, but number two, that you're installing whatever it is you're paid to do right. So for, you mentioned that, you know, you, you, you consider yourself, these aren't my words, you said you're a glorified babysitter. Mm-hmm. To those younger folks out there that are maybe a, a, a PE or a QM or, or even an, a, an APM that are interested in going into the superintendent slash babysitter side of things, what would you tell them? How would you prepare them, recommend to them for that role? I think, number one, you know, we're, we're not a overly sensitive um, – industry we are you know we're out there in the field where it's hot it's dirty you know you get frustrated you're gonna uh, you're gonna cuss about it but I think we have the most fun because we actually get to build shit you know I'm not <laughs> sit there a little late Bruno you missed one earlier <laughs> you're not actually going to um you're not sitting there drawing it you're not sitting there you know, writing it up, you're, you actually go out there and make sure that it is built right. And you get to interact with the people who do it. Um, you know, you got Legos sitting around here, big Legos. There's pretty impressive Legos. Thank you. But, um, you know, I like doing Legos when I was a kid, I like building stuff and we get to go out, we get to see something start and they build it and you get to see the parts that go into it. And it's done. And, you know, no, I didn't go out there and I did not uh, tie the steel. No, I didn't go out there and place the bricks. But we can look at that and go, I did that. We did that. And it's a pride in, in an end product. You know, it, people too often want to... Uh, want stuff just handed to them, but we actually have to build it. And it is actually, you know, you feel good when you walk away from it. It's, it's not something that, you know, just popped up there. Yeah. That's a, you know, love the PMs out there and all that. They do a a fantastic job. But like you said, at the end of the day, it's you finding a way to compel that, you know, those steel erectors or that masonry feller, those drywallers to, like, hey, let's let's build this and don't don't just slap it together. Like, let's right. this is 
this might be a, a a drywalled room today, but two months from now, five months from now, whatever, this is going to be a hospital bed where someone receives life saving treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going to be the elementary school where kids come in and learn all about history and math and how to be productive members of society and things like that. So, you know, I think that you have a very tangible real world attachment to the functionality of those rooms mm-hmm. compared to those that are uh, more focused on, on the drawings, on the, uh, you know, doing all the submittals and payouts and things of that nature. Now, I don't want to take away from project managers because if they don't do their job, we have nobody showing up to, uh, to actually do the work. And if they just write a contract and they don't put the stuff in there, then, you know, I have people showing up in shorts, flip flops and, you know, you know, they, oh, well, it's not in my contract that I have to wear PPE. He's telling me that's, it's not real. I, I have had that. Oh yeah. Shorts and flip flops. Oh yeah. Oh boy. That, I think that too, that highlights that the importance of that dynamic duo of a PM and superintendent. I can't remember where I was the other day. Uh, they were talking about, you know, project teams and a project team consisting of really a superintendent, a PM. And I, there's obviously a ton more roles that go into it, but it is that those two that click together to make that project come to life. Are there certain uh, aspects or traits in a project manager that you get excited to work with certain things that uh, some folks do that you're like, yeah, this is, this is going to, jive well i'm i'm stoked about this project or conversely things where you're like oh we're gonna have some work to do here we're gonna have some some relationship building time with uh, people services to make this one launch off i would have to say your project manager has to be willing to spend time on the job um the ones that do their whole job from the office you know that that doesn't work um they have to see what it is you're building they have to be part of it as well um, you know, I, I will always say Jaime can squirrel away money and he is the best. I'll be like, Hey, how much money do we have? We have nothing. We have nothing at all. And then we get to the end of the job and it's like, we had millions, you know, there. And it's like, but that's how we make money. And I was like, okay, well, you know, and you know, vice versa, you have the superintendents. If they are always wanting to go out and buy crap, then uh, – see, you didn't have to bleep that one. Um, <laughs> if they're always wanting to go out and buy crap, then, <laughs> then it, it's – you know, they're going to spend that money. So, it, you know, it is it is a marriage, um, and uh, it's you have to you have to work together. And, you know, you can have project managers that think, oh, well, you know, my job is the most important one. Well, either one of you, you can't do it without the other. Because I know some superintendents that they could probably write a contract and they could do that. But if you're doing that, then you're not watching the guys in the field. Right. Yeah. Was, at the end of the day, we only have a certain number of hours. So you right. can, you, you're, it's going to be impossible for you to do it all. Right. You're going to have to develop some level of trust and understand how that how your counterpart functions to ever be effective as yeah you're talking about Jaime having money squirreled away is he uh, he commenting on it no not not yet well I'll I'll let you know if he does okay um but just you know makes me think of uh you know the the 
the task will always grow to fit the time allotted or the task will always grow to fit the budget allotted. So if, you know, if you've got someone like, yeah, here, have it, have it, have it. Yeah, there's plenty available. Next thing you know, you're going to be getting down to the you know last quarter of the project and it's going to be like, hey, so we got some big problems. Yeah, we, we need a lot of patchwork or whatever. We need some equipment out here to, you know, boom lift or whatever to go work on this uh, roof or whatnot. We and can no like, longer afford porta potties, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, she should be all right without those, you know, find a tree. You know, is that still okay? I, I always, you know, go around the side of the bush or something, you know, go to the other side of the backhoe. <laughs> but apparently, HR frowns on that, you know. Something about public exposure. Uh, goodness. You guys are having fun down in Houston, I can tell. Um, I can't, gosh, we've been going for, it's got like 12, 13 minutes left here. Uh, Wes, what do you like to do for fun? If there's some young buck coming out of A&M that's a new IRP going down to Houston, uh, what, what should they be bringing you or telling you or talking to you about? What, what's going to get you excited to uh, discuss? Whiskey. Whiskey? I saw you've got a, is that a Garrison Brothers, Garrison Brothers. mug there? I was checking that out. Whiskey, I, I... <laughs> Worst DJ ever. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you're not having a stroke. You're, you're I good. I guess that's a happy sound. It, um, sounds like a crappy horn. Um, <laughs> it, it, good whiskey. Um, but, uh, you know, whiskey, hunting, fishing, I'm a terrible fisherman. I will, I will straight up, I get excited and I'll rip the lips out of the fish. I, you know, I like to go shooting, stuff like that. Um, it's at golf. If I can drive a little car and drink, then I'm fine with it. But hitting the ball, you know, or drive a little car with the, you know, drink, but hitting the little ball, that's, that's not really fun to me. What if we hook you up with like a rifle? Like we get you like a, a, a 22 subsonic and just set you, you know, 50 meters out from the ball and let you drive it like that. Could, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Try. Yeah. I can, I, yeah, I can do that. Sounds like a, a terrible idea, but something that we absolutely need to find a way to uh, get some of these cameras on maybe a, a 4th of July or something like that. Yeah. What kind of, uh, what kind of fish do you like to do? You like to go out and do the saltwater fly fishing, uh, boat, shore, you're out there in the waders. I'll do, I'm not going to get in waders to go fishing. I'll go get in waders to go hunting. But, uh, uh, I like saltwater because it's a big fish. Yeah. You know, it makes your time worth it. Um, I like, uh, bay fishing. That's fun. But, uh, I just don't, I don't have the patience for fishing. You know, you get out there and, you know, I have the patience for catching, <laughs> but it, it's, if, you know, Whereas I can go sit in a stand and I can admire nature. I can enjoy that. I might take a nap, but you know, I'm going to admire nature out there on the water. It gets hot and it gets freaking boring. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I'd, I'd never thought about it that way. You, you, you say you didn't have the patience for fishing. I'm like, but you have the patience to go sit in the deer blind for six hours, but you can, you can look at the trees. You can look at the squirrels, the birds, you know, you can see a squirrel and wow. Well, you know, I haven't seen a deer. What would my 308 do to that squirrel? Evaporate. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'd be like red mist. It would be awesome. But uh, um, haven't done that. People services. Um, <clears throat> but uh, no, it, you know, it's, it's fun to go hunting and be in the woods. 
Yeah, and that's I, I think that is too uh, something that can be underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, just being out there and relaxing, and uh, you know, I, I I live out in the sticks myself, not not too far out, but got trees and birds and all that. And there are times I'll go outside and just sit on the porch or whatever. And if you just sit out there for a bit, it's incredible. You see all the roadrunners start showing up. You see lizards running around. There's, you know, a cat or a skunk or whatever dipping through the creek and all that. And uh, I think it's one of those things that it, it's easy to not take the time to appreciate. So, yeah, as I thought about it, I could see the having the patience for hunting but not fishing starts to make sense. Yeah. What's your, uh, you have any, like, annual hunts you go on? Do you head out to Colorado and go hunt elk or... I'd like to go hunt elk. Um, No, I just go deer hunting uh, usually once or twice a year. Gotcha. Hanging out in Texas, going to whatever you can get on to. I don't like getting cold anymore. So, you know, that's uh, (laughs) 50 years old. I don't don't like getting cold. 50 years old. I would not have guessed that. But hold on now. I've got, give me a second to process that. First, I'm shocked that you're 50 years old. You don't look it. Second of all, whenever you, did you like turn 50 and you just stopped liking the cold? What, now, what happened? Did this was this a gradual thing? So we were doing Operation Bright Star in Egypt, and um, we we got there, and it was it was hot, and we uh, didn't take any cold weather gear, and all of a sudden it was like it went just like that, like it does in the desert, and it rained, and then it froze in Egypt. In Egypt, no kidding. And that so. When sand gets wet and then it freezes, it becomes a rock. And so the, there's nothing to block the wind in Egypt. It just blows for like a thousand miles or something, you know, all across Africa. And it would pick up a, a, a piece of sand and it would hit you in the face and it's like somebody hitting you with a dart. And so we didn't have any cold weather gear. So we're wearing, you know, our, our sweats up underneath our DCUs and, you know, we you're wearing everything that you can to stay warm. And, uh, ever since then it was like, Nope, screw that. That's why I live in the South. I, I don't want to, when we had the, the snow back in February. Yeah. Well, for us, it was, you know, a couple of years ago and when we had snowmageddon. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. 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 And I was like, shit, I can't move any farther South. <laughs> You know, I'm going to have to go to Florida or something like that. And uh, you see, you're, you're like, um, and, uh, but it was, yeah, no, I, I was like, no, screw this. You know, it, it's, it's cold. And yeah. Wow. Just like that. Oh, I, 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 I hate the cold. Well, we're, I'm happier here. We're not having this conversation with, uh, you know, Manhattan construction or something up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah. You're like, all right, note taken. So you're on your way out. <laughs> well, that's wild. Yeah. I, you don't think of those. I, I, I think a lot of folks, myself included, don't often think of those, some of those areas being cold. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You're out there in the desert and it'll flip that switch on you. That sun goes down. It gets cool real quick and it starts getting wet. Be, be ready. Oh, yeah. It's in for a ride. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. Uh, Here's one for you, Wes. Would you rather have more time or more money? So when I get the money, I don't got no time to spend it? 
uh, I didn't think it through that much. I don't know. It seemed like a good question a couple weeks ago when I was putting this together. Let's say that that is true. Let's say you, you, you have more money, but you have no, no more time than you currently do. You have an hour a day free right now. That's all you maintain, but you have as much money as you want. Oh, not until I die. See, more time could mean, you know, like you live longer or... Oh, this guy's good. See, I didn't think through any of this. So you have not prepared for the day you meet a genie and they say, what is your wish? You're going <laughs> to screw that all up. Oh, you're absolutely correct. The funny thing about that is I've been going around asking everyone at RO, what do you want to change? Or if you could change anything, what would you change? And I, I haven't thought about it all myself. Yeah, I'm terribly prepared for Egypt because I, I don't have uh, my genie wishes ready and I, I don't have any cold weather gear on hand. Oh, I've got cold weather gear. <laughs> um. See, why well, you put me on the spot, and I'm trying to think of how to re reframe that. Now, would, no. would you would you rather win the lottery or have five years off of work? How about if that? If you win the lottery, you're gonna take, take you're gonna quit work anyway. I mean, if it's big help enough. Me out here, um, oh, Chris Terrell says, take the money. Yeah, so you, uh, yeah, I would take the money. Then I, you know, then you take the time off. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's a very simple solution to what I thought was a far more complex question to ask. <laughs> should have thought that one through a bit you more. Set some parameters on your question. Oh man, I know. Uh, you know, it will, I'm going to cut myself a bit of slack because, believe it or not, it was you were supposed to be here? I think exactly a month ago. Uh huh. Uh, and we had that uh, that all that foul weather come through at least here i think down in houston you guys kind of made it out relatively unscathed i think it got cool but yeah it, we didn't have ice weather yeah it was uh it was pretty bad up here i know at least out of my house all the tree branches were hanging to the ground we had a couple weekends worth of cleanup uh but uh, you know i prepare these questions somewhat this is obviously conversational <laughs> but i put these questions together and uh sent them off to you back then and then totally forgot about him until about an hour ago um so i had to go kind of refresh myself and i I, th I think you're seeing in real time the difference in having four of these conversations since we were since i last wrote these T tightened up the shot group a bit i was still slipping this would have been uh you know num number three or four or whatever for us uh, if you'd made it back in in february but all right wes is taking money over time and then with that money he's taking time there you go time off all right well here how about this one we've got three minutes left i'm, I'm gonna find some way to work this into a, some sort of question okay if if you were given 10 million dollars what would you do tax-free it's legal you don't need to hide from anybody you can spend it however you want it's just here, here's here's 10 million dollars what, what are you doing next week i'd buy land and build a house. Yeah. In Texas, or are you going further south? Oh, Texas. Yeah? Yeah. No, I'm not leaving Texas. <laughs> you don't um, think you make it out there in Florida, out in the Keys? No, I mean, that's a great place to visit, but uh, I, I like Texas. I like our, uh, our attitude. I am a native Texan. I was born in Fort Worth. I, you know, I like our guns. We make whiskey here now. Um Mighty fine whiskey, sir. It is a good whiskey. It is, you know, Kentucky whiskey is still really great. That's, you know, it's hard to beat Kentucky whiskey. Uh, Tennessee whiskey is shite. Um, and anything else that comes from, like, Indiana and all that, that's shite. Um, 
but so it's Texas and Kentucky. Um, but I, yeah, no, I'd buy land and I, I would not, I would stay in Texas. There you go. Post up guns, Hang money, up. you know, Enjoy wildlife, the right attitude, you know, I like it. One more question for you, Wes, and we'll, we'll let you get out of here. If you had to give advice to a young Wes, what would you tell him today? Knowing what you know? Oh shit. So that's a tough one because you don't want to change anything that got you where you are because if you do, you're not going to be here. I mean, were there things that I've said, oh man, I wish I'd have done this different. You know, I wish, you know, I wish I would have been, you know, as a, a teenager, I wish I would have been, um, more willing to take a chance. I wish I would have, uh, uh, I always wanted to play baseball, but you know, I, high school, not, not pros. Um, I, I've, I sucked at sports, you know. I I was kind of a uh, a late bloomer. I I could knock somebody down, but I could not throw or catch very well. So, um, I yeah, I would I would say I would have I would have stuck with it and you know played baseball. I enjoy baseball, but I I don't think I would change anything. I think I would uh, if if you change the road that got you where you are, you won't be the person you are today. And, you know, my, of course, my first two ex-wives, they, or my first two wives, they probably would have uh, wished there would have been some things changed, but, uh, you know. There were things changed, the wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I have the finale, and uh, I, so I, I would never have gotten to her had I... I changed anything. So I, that's, that's a, a very philosophical question because if you change anything, you're not going to be here, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well put. I think, yeah. Uh, appreciating that there's something to be taken from everything. The, the broken road, you know, mm. if, if you hadn't have taken, if you hadn't screwed up, if you hadn't have done this, you hadn't done that then, you know, you, yes, you might have had happiness over here, but you might not have. Well, Mr. Elliot, this was, it's, if you can believe it, it's been, I think, over 45 minutes now. We've been going back and forth, and I feel like it's tip of the iceberg. Uh, but I want to hold people up. I know we try to stick to an hour to this. That's uh, apparently what a lot of commute times are. So we're going to cut out of here, but... <laughs> Thank you all very much. Uh, don't forget about that. <laughs> Everyone's going to know Cesar wasn't here. Like, audio engineering was terrible on that one. Uh, thank you to everyone that, that jumped on board here. Uh, I love having these conversations. Don't forget about that playbook, uh, the old playbook cutting out at the end of the month. So if you have anything you need to get out of there, get in there, get it out, remember it down. And uh, next week we will be here with Mr. Ash Gilliam, the director of quality from San Antonio, I'm pretty sure. All right. Thank you, Wes. <laughs> no problem. <laughs>